Hello and welcome to the Desperate and Appalling podcast series. My name is Paul Sloan and together with my co-author Des McHale we've written a number of books ranging from uh, lateral thinking puzzles, mathematical lateral thinking puzzles, world's best word puzzles, one, two, three, four, wacky, witty and wonderful words are some of the books we've written. And in this series of podcasts we chat about puzzles, situations, words, anything that takes our fancy. So please sit back, enjoy the podcast, and if you like it, come back and listen to some more. Well, good afternoon, Des. Long time, no chat. Yes, it's been a long time since we've had a little chat together. I'm looking forward to this one in particular. Yes, so a lot of water's flown under the bridge. But in our last podcast, you set a puzzle about a man in prison. And I was intrigued by it, and I still haven't cracked it. So as I recall, the man was in prison. He had lots of friends and relatives, but none of them came to visit him. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. yeah. There was, there was uh, no particular danger to him, was there? No, there was, and, and there was no reason why they shouldn't. I mean, there were no restrictions on visitation. I mean, anybody could visit him who wanted uh, is it anything to do with disease? No. Nope. With criminal activity? Yes, it could have something to do with criminal activity. So uh, are threats involved? No. Nope. Well, I'm, uh, you're going to have to give me a clue or give me the answer, I think. So. Yeah, well, I, th- I think I'll give you the answer because it's, uh, I think it's these, one of these ones that you either get or you don't get. And the reason nobody came from outside to visit him was that all his relatives and friends were in prison already with him. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's funny to see how many of the solutions to lateral thinking puzzles are jokes that when you get the solution, you laugh rather than say, ah, that's ingenious. You just laugh at that. And I mean, jokes, I think, and puzzles have an awful lot in common. Yes. And they're the same process, I think, that goes on in your mind. And that's why people with good joking personalities or temperaments tend to be clever or quicker at lateral thinking puzzles than other people. This week, we're going to talk about our favorite books. And, um, when I agreed to this, I thought that that, that will be fairly easy. But then I, when I started to look through them, I found it very difficult to select. Um, do you want to go first? What's your favourite fiction? Let's do a couple of fiction. It's very, very difficult to pick. And yet certain ones stand out. And the first one in fiction that stands out is John Buchan's famous 39 Steps. Now, The 39 Steps is an absolutely wonderful book. And if there's anybody listening who hasn't read it, I really would strongly recommend you read it. It's been filmed five different times. I have the five different film versions of The 39 Steps. And they all have got variations, but they're all good. They stick to it. It's about a chase. It's about a man who's being chased. He's been chased by the police and he's been chased by enemy agents. Police think he's a murderer. The enemy agents want to bump him off. And I think you you just feel for him all the time. You know, wherever he goes, he's uh, chased. Uh, people want to kill him. And I think you sympathize with him very much indeed. But it's very, very ingenious because in all the chapters of the book, as distinct from the films, he talks about the whole mentality of being chased and being disguised. And he, he's a master of disguise. He has to disguise himself all throughout the book. And he says, if you want to be disguised and escape, you've got to think like the person that you're disguised as. So if you're disguised as a tramp, you've got to think like a tramp and live like a tramp. Yes. So it's a book I would recommend very strongly. I've read the book and I've seen the film. The original film had Robert Donut in, I think, that's wasn't cool. it? That's very good. And that, that was Hitchcock. That was one of the best. And Richard Hannay is a guy that you just got to like. Yeah, Richard Hannay. And of course, the 39 steps, you assume it's a staircase. 
but it's not. And that's revealed right at the end. That's very true. Yeah. Yes. It stands the test of time. It was written about 100 years ago and it's still, I think, the best thriller ever written. And I love reading thrillers. And that would be probably my favourite book of fiction of all time. Well, I, I read it as a boy, and I also read Ryder Haggard. Did you ever read Ryder Haggard? Any no, of I never read Ryder Haggard. Oh, no. the, the King Solomon's Mines and She and all that. I love those. Oh, yes, I've read King Solomon's Mines. All right. Very yeah. exciting. I think there are two kinds of books. One's when you're reading them, you hope they're going to finish soon. And one's you hope are never going to end. You, know, <laughs> you finish your book and you say, I'm sorry that it could have gone on and on. Yes. Wonderful. One book I would recommend, if you like murder mysteries, is by Anthony Horowitz. It's called Magpie Murders. You've read anything by Horowitz? I've read a lot by Horowitz, especially his Moriarty. And yes. Moriarty is a wonderful because I'm interested in Sherlock Holmes and he's George. He's very, very clever. And, and he's this very one, clever. He's, he's written a number that I could have picked anyone. But this one, I think, is outstanding. And it's a it's a murder mystery within a murder mystery. It's, it's a story within a story. And the two are wrapped up very, very cleverly. Uh, and and he, he disguises things and he gives clues and he leads you on, and eventually it all ties up very neatly. Um, so I would strongly recommend it. Anthony Horowitz, yeah. Magpie Murders. And he fools you. I mean, the last Anthony Horowitz I read, I mean, I said, no, he's not going to fool me. He's not going to fool me. And he did. <laughs> he fooled me with one of the oldest tricks in the book. And I was annoyed, but I was very pleased at the same. Great to get a surprise like that. Yeah. Have you read anything by Robert Harris? No, no. He's very good. There's a book I would recommend to you called Conclave, a single word, Conclave. And it's a it's a thriller about the election of a pope. Oh, I've heard of it. I've heard of it all right. James. It's very well done and it's got a, an amazing twist in it and it's very, very clever. So Robert Harris Conclave is um, uh, my second recommendation. Right. OK, well, my, my non-fiction recommendation is one that I don't think anybody else on the planet would recommend, but there's a special reason. And it's called Topics in Algebra by Israel Herstein. First of all, I, I based my PhD thesis on a problem in that. So, I mean, that, that really makes you makes you like a book an awful lot. But as a student, I was just overcome by its elegant. To take algebra and to turn it into a really elegant, beautifully written subject is a very, very difficult thing to do. And I just admired it so much. I think that's the reason I became a professional mathematician. So a book to influence you so strongly that you base your career on it. One of the features of the book are the exercises. He sets really beautiful exercises. And then there are star problems. There are one star problems and the two star problems. Now, to get out a one star problem was a tremendous feat when I was an undergraduate. To get out a two star problem was an absolute miracle. And as students, we used to joke, the one star problems, they're the ones that Herstein's students couldn't do. And the two star problems, they're the ones he couldn't do himself. <laughs> I once wrote to him about a problem I couldn't do in the book. And he wrote me back a lovely personal letter. He, they say he was a really, really nice man and uh, like the students, liked by everybody. And uh, to take the trouble to write back to a, an unknown undergraduate who writes to you, I think is a is a, is a wonderful thing. So Ian Herstein, Topics in Algebra, wonderful I man. might mention that if you're interested in books of mathematical puzzles, then we must recommend our own book of uh, oh. math mathematical lateral thinking puzzles. Of course, uh, which yes, we've yes. Co cooperated on and it's its imprint is doing well, it's selling well. And it has a range of puzzles from easy to difficult, which would suit any math student from age of about nine or ten right up to yeah. to uh, or, or anybody actual... like a, or anybody a computer scientist, an engineer, a, a, an interested adult. I think anybody who has any liking for mathematics. My my uh, son's girlfriend during the week, I, ju I just gave her some of the books, and it turns out what she didn't know she's interested in mathematics, and she's absolutely intrigued. She says, "I didn't know there were puzzles that were that nice." Now that that is a nice tribute, and uh, I was delighted, of course, to find out that my son's girlfriend is interested in mathematics, which I didn't know. 
Um, so if I had to choose some uh, non-fiction, but by the way, do you know about the book uh, 1001 Top Lubricants? Do you know that book? I don't know that. <laughs> that's, well, you should know it because it won the non-friction prize. Uh, <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> no, 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 so we're talking about non-fiction. Uh, have you read Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow? He's a, a Nobel Prize winning um, economist, and it's all about how we think. And it's full of aha moments and revelations and startling insights. I've read a lot of books about neuroscience and how the brain works, and a lot of them are very dull. But this one is sparkling uh, and it's done very well. Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow. And he, he explains that we think in two ways. There's our instant reaction, which we're trained to by evolution. When we see a bear coming towards us, then we're worried and, and, and you know, we take steps. And, and, but if we're trying to solve a, you know, a chess problem, then we'll sit down and think about it slowly. And these two ways of thinking often at war with each other. And the instant thinking can mislead us. But it's very hard to stop. When you meet someone, you have an instant first impression. And that can last quite a long yeah. time. If I saw a bear coming towards me, the sort of steps I take will be very long steps. <laughs> <laughs> Good, but you couldn't outrun it. So, uh, what's what's your second non-fiction book? Um, well, I, I give my next one. I give a fiction one because I want to leave the non-fiction one for the right. last climax. My my, since I'm interested in humor, my favorite book is Jerome K. Jerome's Three Men in a Boat. Now, that's an absolutely wonderful book. It was written well over 100 years ago. It again stands the test of time. Anybody today could read it. And I just laugh and laugh and laugh all the time through it again and again, even though I've read it before. And the highlights are putting up a tent in the rain. I mean, the guy is trying to put up the tent. It's just so typically the language they use, the threats they make against each other. The maze, of course, getting lost in the Hampton Court maze is an absolute classic. Um, Uncle Podger um, hanging up the uh, picture on the wall. The smelly cheese, of course, absolutely wonderful. A man going from Liverpool to London with a big smelly cheese in his railway carriage, which very soon empties. It's just a wonderful book. It's got more purple patches of humour, I think, than almost any other book I've ever read. And if somebody out there has not read Jerome K. Jerome's Three Men in a Boat, 100 years old, I would recommend very strongly to read it because it really will lift your spirits. It's a very funny laugh out loud book. I actually collect different editions of it. I've got about 12 different editions, including an Irish language version, Thrur Far Imod, which is Three Men in a Boat in Irish, and it was translated into very, very languages. And I don't think he ever received a penny royalties for it because people just plagiarized it and used it. This was before copyright laws came in. But He's a really nice man. And I think the funniest book that's ever been written is Three Men in a Boat. And I would challenge anybody not to read it and burst into laughter. All right. Have well, I, I have to confess I've not read it. So well, it's on must. my Christmas really list now. Yeah, Three Men in sure? a Boat. I'll read yeah. that. If I was going to give another um, fiction book, there are a number that I liked. I really loved um, Birdsong by Sebastian Falk. Have you read that? No, it's, no. it's really. We seem to have totally, we seem to have totally different this yeah. which is good, which well, is good in a way. Um, it's two books in one, really, and it's a story of a young man who goes to France in in 1913, 1914, a young Englishman, and he falls in love with with a French woman. And so the first part of the book is quite a a wonderful love story, and I, I don't normally fall for love stories, but this one was very enchanting. And then he gets called up and he's sent to the, the front. And the second part of the book is all about the war, the First World War. And it's very, very moving, very well written. And, and the big question is, will they ever be reunited? Will he last through the war? Will, will they, they, their, their relationship be consummated? And, and um, 
that is the, the, the thrill of the book. Uh, uh, and I found it very, very moving. So Birdsong by Sebastian Falks. And he, I've written a number, I read a number by his. Some of them are, are good, but that is the one that's outstanding, I think. I would also mention Atonement by Ian McEwan, which is another book about the war and about uh, a sin that's committed and, and how somebody tries to atone for that sin and how the stain of that sin hangs over them. And uh, it's, that's a very powerful book too, Atonement by Ian McEwan. Good. So do you want to, to add anything to that or to give well, my, us my, 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 la my last nonfiction book is, to my mind, the best book ever written. And that is a very, very big claim to make for Burgundy. Certainly the best book I ever read. And that is Understanding Media by Marshall McLuhan. Now, I've been a McLuhanite nearly all my life. I was lucky enough to meet him in Dublin in the 1970s and talk to him and to sit at the feet of the guru for an hour. Uh, it was a the most wonderful experience in my life. And I would say I base all my thinking, my humorous thinking, my mathematical thinking, my sociological thinking on the principles of this book. And again, that's had such a huge influence on me that I would just have to include it. Now, what's, what's, McLuhan, what's one key idea from the book then? That, that what's one key? Well, I would say the first key idea is um, the medium is the message. Or as he said, the medium is the message or the medium is the massage. And he had several interpretations of it. But the idea is that the medium through which information is transmitted is much more important than the actual information being transmitted. Now, that is a very strong guiding principle. And uh, he talks about Adolf Hitler. He says that if there had been television in Adolf Hitler's time, people would have just looked at him and says he's absolutely ridiculous. But he broadcast through radio and he was a very powerful radio force. He got people going. He stirred the masses in that particular way. Another key idea is the extensions of man, that all of the inventions that we make, all of the technology we use is an extension of some part of the human body. And you've only got to look at the hand. It's, it's like a, a fork, the fingers of a fork. The open hand is like a spoon. Uh, the edged hand is like a knife. He said, everything we invent is something better, doing something better than the human body could do. He said, the wheel is an extension of the foot. And it's amazing when you start to look at all. And he said, finally, he said, the computer is an extension of the human ner nervous system. An extension of the brain. Yeah, yes. the brain and the human nervous system. And he predicted the he predicted the um, uh, Internet. He said the global village is going to come about and we're going to be just one great big connected thing. And his ideas are way before his time. Now, it's a very difficult book to read and it's got an awful lot of new ideas. He said himself that most books will have maybe 10 percent new ideas. My book is about 80 or 90 percent new ideas. And that's why nobody wanted to publish it. And a lot of people criticized it. And a lot of the media criticized it because they couldn't understand what was going on. But he predicted, you know, he died in 1980. So he predicted over 40 years ago exactly what was going to happen in the world. And it did happen. And he was an extraordinary. And to have met him was, I think, one of the highlights, one of the great highlights of my life. And it's um, it's 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 absolutely wonderful that, that this, you know, that's something of that still survives and stands the test of time. But people do not always accept it because it's difficult to accept. They'd say that what's in a book, I mean, for example, he'd say there's a big difference between the paperback version of the book and the hardback version. They're different books, they're different media. Reading them is a totally different experience. Now, most people wouldn't accept that. They'd say, well, look, it's the same book, it's the same content, but he says they're totally different. And once you get down his wavelength, it's absolutely marvellous. Can I just tell you, he, he asked me what I was interested in. I said I was interested in humour. He said, ah, oh, he said, a humorist is a man with a grievance. And uh, that's a good definition. Yeah. It's very interesting, the, the concept that a humorist has a grievance. And very, many of the great comedians had an edge to them. 
or they, they had right. a problem, right. or they were yeah. discriminated against, or, or they'd, right. they'd suffered in some way, and it was a way of fighting back against uh, more powerful people. And they also have grievances in their lives. I mean, they live, you know, you rarely see a person with a conventional lifestyle becoming a comedian. Either they'll come from a deprived background or they'll have some problems, some personal problems. And some of them having mental problems. Someone like Spike Milligan or someone like John Cleese, like, you know, they'll talk about comedy being the high where depression is the low. So if anybody has not read or heard of Understanding Media by Marshall McLuhan, I would very, very strongly recommend. Now, you may not like it. You may not like what's in it. You've got to admit that there's an enormous amount of novelty there, enormous amount of innovation, enormous amount of new thinking. Let me mention a couple of uh, modern nonfiction books, which I've read recently in the last 12 months, which I enjoy. One is by Matthew Syed, who writes in the Sunday Times and the Times, a very good columnist. It's called Rebel Ideas, and it's all about the value of diversity in thinking. And in his first chapter, he talks about the CIA and the CIA recruited the very best and brightest graduates from Yale and Harvard, the top of the class. But they all thought the same. And they could not conceive that a man in a cave in Afghanistan could be a threat to the USA. They just couldn't think that way. And they didn't, they employed very, very few Middle Easterners, very few Muslims, and they had no diversity of thought. And that was their great weakness. They had great thinkers. And the rest of the book is, is a plea for more cognitive diversity. There's no point having diversity if everyone thinks the same. Even Absolutely. if they're different skin colour or different genders, yeah. what you want is a group that thinks differently and, and there's some contention in the group. And he goes on with many fine examples of that. Uh, the other book I would recommend is Tim Harford. Tim Harford's an economist who writes in the Financial Times and elsewhere. Yeah, uh, I know he, him. He was, he, was in, he was in Cork for a while. He lectured. Was he? He's, 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 he's a very the, interesting fellow. And very I could pick any one of a number of his books, but the one I would read recently is called Messy. And it's all about the benefits of being messy and the disadvantage of being neat and orderly and tidy, which is what we're encouraged to be. And he gives many examples where great artistic and creative endeavours have resulted from a, a messy start. Well, he, he'd absolutely love me because I'm one of the messy. I, I would probably one of the messiest people in Europe. But, um, you know, my wife says it's amazing I get anything done because if you could see my desk now, my desk just covered. But I know where everything is. I could just lay <laughs> my hand in any book I want. And sometimes somebody clears my desk and cleans it, you know, just for the favor. And I can't find a damn thing. <laughs> okay, but I think it's so right. We've, we've listed quite a few books, quite a few recommendations. Um, should we leave people with a puzzle? I think there was one about a man tightening jar lids. Tell me that one. That was a lovely one. Why did the man tighten every single jar lid in his house and put them all in the fridge? He tightened. And, and it, what was it to do with uh, with uh, health or safety or, or infection? No, no, nothing, nothing like that. Nothing to do with no. that. And, no. and was it uh, to do with protecting them, stopping someone? No, no, mm. no. All right. Well, we'll leave people to think about that. Why would a man go to the trouble of tightening the jar lids, putting things back in the fridge, having tightened the jar lids. And, mm. and uh, on our next um, venture, we'll reveal the answer to that. So, mm. Des, thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. I really enjoyed that. And I, I learned a lot. You gave me a long list of people I should be reading. And I hope <laughs> you're going to read some of my recommendations. I definitely Maybe will. We're just edu- educating each other. And that's the whole point. Mm.